Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? Howdy, welcome along to this week's episode of the Howie Games. The show over the last six years has come to you from some wonderful places. Costa Rica, I think we did an ep from Panama, came in from South Africa, one from Zimbabwe. But today, today, the Howie Games comes to you from Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad, look it up, Western India. Got here at about 3am last night, Melbourne, Delhi, and then five hours in Delhi Airport, then through to Ahmedabad tonight. I am privileged and pumped. I'm that excited because I'm getting the opportunity to call my very first game of IPL cricket. Should be massive. Wild. Can't wait to get stuck into that. Maybe more of that later on on another show about what the IPL is all about. Anyway, you are listening to episode 18 of the Howie Games Artist Series, part A from Ahmedabad, featuring former AFL footballer, now multimedia megastar, Ryan Fitzgerald. He'll go inside 50, first foray for the game. And the mark is taken down there by Fitzgerald. Great start for Adelaide. Promising youngster, Ryan Fitzgerald. Was number four pick in the 98 draft. He was taken by Sydney. Unfortunate run with injuries. Had a shoulder in 1999, had a hernia in 2000, and a knee pre-season in 2001. He comes to Adelaide. 45 metres out, kick on its way. Opening goal of the Crows. Fitzy. As he's universally known, everybody knows him as Fitzy, is an absolute beauty. A beauty. Post-footy, Fitzy became a household name after appearing on Big Brother. Remember Big Brother on Channel 10? Enormous. Ratings juggernaut. The show was massive. Fitzy, after his Big Brother appearance, snagged a job on radio, where he is now a dominant force with Whipper on Sydney Nova Breakfast. If you don't listen to the show, check it out for mine best breakfast radio show in Australia. Fitzy's been dominating that space for a long time. Plus, throw in TV on the front bar and the back page on Fox. Our man Fitzy is a man in demand. You'll soon find out why he is in demand when you listen to this episode, which he absolutely smashes to pieces. This was the most enjoyable podcast I've been privileged to record in a long, long time. The kid had me in absolute stitches. His stories about footy, coaches he played under, blokes he played with behind the scenes of Big Brother, his radio days. It's easy to see why he's so good at what he does. He is one of the great storytellers. Throw in his thoughts on being coached by his dad, <laughs> his own parenting approach, the perils of the punt, to be serious for a moment, and the dangers of cancel culture. This has got everything you need in a podcast for me this episode. I love the episode. So let's get to it. Enjoy the hugely entertaining story and storytelling of Ryan Fitzgerald, a beautiful man who smells wonderful. Welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series. Well, there's not many people in the world just roll with one name. you got your Ronaldos, you got your Shaqs, you got your LeBrons, you got your Rihannas, but here in Australia... We got Fitzy, and everybody knows who it is. So welcome to. The, I'm only going with Fitzy because you're a one name operator. Madonna, Madonna, yeah. That that's the level you operate. Yeah, at. yeah. Papa don't preach. Yeah, I was a big <laughs> fan of Madonna of their early work. That's Thank it. you, Howie. Thank you. I oh, know, but see, I'm from Sydney, so well, I'm working in Sydney. Mm, you're not from Sydney. Be very careful. V- that's right. I've been there for twelve years now and played footy there for three. But um, there's another Fitzy. There's Peter Fitzsimon. So he takes no, that mantle over no, there. No, no, you no. You don't no. reckon? No, you're the Fitzy. I'll take it. You're you're the 
banner of Fitzy's around So we, this is in concrete now? Yeah, you're Fitzy. Okay, number Peter one. Simon's uh, rugby union, yeah. right to articles. Yep. He, he, he's not blowing Can up you radio. do me a favour then? Yeah. Why don't you just Google Fitzy and see who comes up first? Right, Because eh? you, know, you know, here's another one for you, Howie. There's a Ryan Fitzpatrick that's a quarterback. He's not anymore, but he was for the Miami Dolphins. So on Twitter... From fans, he didn't have a Twitter account, so they used to hit you up. They used to berate me when he had a bad game. <laughs> right. right. Well, okay. So Fitzy, before I actually hit the button, yes. Fitzy, first thing that comes up is Fitzy and Whipper, yeah. then Fitzy's gym, right. um, which is in uh, <laughs> West Brunswick. That's not Shout me. out to uh, Fitzy in West Brunswick. <laughs> and then you got Fitzy and Whipper with Kate Ritchie. So now I'm going to hit the Google and we'll see yeah. the first thing that comes up. Ryan Fitzgerald, Great. number one. I'm yeah. not seeing Peter Fitzsimons. Suck on that, Peter Fitzsimons. No, with his headband on and his, <laughs> his bandana. good book about Kokoda, by the way, yeah. so we need to show him a bit of respect. But So you're, you're, you're the number one. The other thing, <laughs> you walked in here a lot taller in real life than people realise, but just smelling oh, beautiful. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, thank you, you smell not. What, what are you rolling with? I, I roll with Cristiano Ronaldo's legacy. I oh, see so because because you're a one name operator, you go with other one name operator fragrances. Ronaldo <laughs> legacy sounds it's, expensive. It's thirty dollars at Chemist Warehouse. Oh, so it's not as expensive as I anticipated. No, it's not. No, and and he's brought out another legacy, but this old the old one's the best. I've been wearing it for about ten years. I love it, and it's cheap. Right. So thank you, Christian. It doesn't <laughs> smell cheap. It smells good. Oh, thank you, Howie. It's, yeah. it's funny being in this building. A man that smells nice. I've during COVID, we called the footy yeah. from in this building. Yes. Because um, we couldn't travel anywhere, and used to do Sundays on Triple M with uh, the Duck. You yeah. would know well Wayne Carey, <laughs> and you would know Duck was in the building. When he was actually pulling into the car park, the Dunhill, which is his operation, would waft up through the lift system and you'd know the duck was here. And then he'd sit down and he'd smell beautiful yeah. and he'd ring whatever it is, Tony's Pizza or whatever's yeah. across the road, yeah. and he'd just say, it's duck, can I have a duck? He had his own pizza. That's all he'd say, it's duck, can I have a duck? Can I give you one quick duck story? Please do. When I was at the Crows 2002, duck had just arrived. He, he arrived in 2003, but he was already there, and I'd got to know him, and he, I, I think it might have been 2003, his first year, and I went on the footy trip. I'd left the club, but socially I was still a part of the club, <laughs> so I went on the socially. footy trip, Howie. And there was this moment, we were, we were drinking down the Esplanade in... Um, down at St Kilda, magnificent pub. Yes. And Ducks. They've been redone now, beautiful spot. Yeah, Duck said it's my shout, but I don't have any money. Does anyone want to go to the ATM and get some money out for me? And I was only this young fella. I said, I'll do it. Gave me his PIN number, which was dangerous because, <laughs> you know, back in the old days, I probably would have taken out a bit more than I should have. <laughs> and I took out, I think I took out 200 or $300 for him. And the amount that popped up. On on the account because I said let's check his account, <laughs> check balance. account balance, and I just went back to the boys and went have a look at this. <laughs> and Duck goes, oh god, that's only one of my accounts. <laughs> well, hello to the Duck because I, I know I know he listens. Um, how you going? You're on survey break at the moment. Um, we must say you're here courtesy of Nova, which we appreciate. Breakfast show dominating as it always does, but. Do, do you still on survey break? How long does it go for? So goes, for people who don't know, if it's he's having a holiday from yeah. radio, well, how long does it go for? Yeah, two weeks. We're very lucky actually in uh, Radio Land. We get around about eleven weeks a year, which is survey break. So they right. don't 
actually research and do the surveys. So we have, when you're in radio for long enough, you can negotiate to get those weeks off. Yes. When you first start, Howie, you know, you usually get about four or five weeks off a year. Yep. Then you work your way up and uh, Whipper and I, uh, over time, we now get our 11 weeks off a year, which is which is great just to recharge the battery. And can you, so what time on a work day, always fascinates me about breakfast radio because the short stints I've done of it when the superstars were on break and I was filling in for Das or Eddie or yep. or whoever, the alarm used to kill me. What time's your alarm go off? So my, uh, it started, it was 10 to 4 when I first started. 3.50. So that's when you're a professional dedicated operator. Yep. Now, it now? now it's 4.30. Right. So, and, and But see, I live oh. in Sydney, I live five minutes up the road. So we moved to Bowmane to be next to Piermont and I did that to jump in the shower, get straight in the car and go straight to work. So I'm still in there just before five o'clock every day. It's early start. So in this in this break now, mm. does your body clock still wake you up at that crazy time? Or I got up. Well, we did front bar last night and we <laughs> finished up. We had a couple of beers with Richard Osborne and, and Scotty Thompson Great from show, North by Melbourne. The way. Well Thank done. you. And I was in bed by 11.30. Yeah. I was up at 5.30 this morning. Couldn't get back to sleep. Do you hate that? Yeah. There's an element. I love the mornings. Don't get me well, wrong. You have to. Whenever I travel with my wife or we go away overseas, we're up at as soon as that sun breaks, we're up and we're exploring, and I love that. Like, I'd rather be up and exploring in the morning than having late nights. Those days are over. I, every now and then, I still like to howie, but but I do love the morning. And as you get older, I think I think it, you you become a more accustomed to it. Mm. As you get older, you get up earlier anyway. Have you ever have you ever in your younger day have you ever like been out with your mates and just sort of stayed out and then just rolled straight into breakfast? Radio? So did it once. And okay. this is what I love about Nova so much is yep. it was the MTV Music Awards in Australia. I think they only did it twice. Remember Kelly Slater? Yes. And remember Anna Nicole Smith pulled up her top? I do recall this. And exposed her breasts yes. next to Kelly Slater and he was very embarrassed. Yes. I presented an award that night. I'd only just started at Nova and right. it was a breakthrough award with Bianca Dye. And we kicked on at the after party. Ja Rule was there. There was all these. Ja Rule ja was Rule, there. Ja Rule, Sharon Osborne. <laughs> I was talking to Ja Rule about this new festival, this fire festival he was thinking about doing. I said, that's a great idea. Ja? Mr. <laughs> ja. Rule? What Mr. Are you Rule? Right, yeah. okay. And I kicked on, got home, I reckon, at about three... I reckon it would have been around about 3.30 in the morning. Solid. And I had to be on air at, at six o'clock. Slept through, and the best thing I had about thirty missed calls. Got on air at about seven thirty, and um, I remember I thought I'm gone here, and the reaction from the CEO was that was very very funny this morning. So that what a so great they company. yep yep that's you know that's a good company right. yeah 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 so actually so yeah I've rolled in a couple of times going all the way through, and it doesn't work. How you think you are on fire <laughs> when you listen back? <laughs> You're an absolute mess. <laughs> yeah, I've always, um, I've always followed your career because you remind me of me mm. in the way you sound. Mm. We we don't like forty years ago. You and I are never getting on radio no. because we don't sound like radio announcers would be, and no. I wouldn't be commentating sport. No. It's possible now for anyone fits you, even sort of rough around the edge, just country kids like us that have a horrible twang. Yes. And I say that with respect, brother. Yes, I agree. The opportunities are there. Times are changing. 
I, I listened back to some of my first ever breaks on Nova, and this is back in 2004, yeah. and I say to myself, how the hell did I survive? <laughs> and I was a sports, I read the sports every half hour in the news break. So I was a sports reporter. That was my job at Nova first up. Off a monitor? Off a monitor, auto cue, and it was, and I was horrible. So what type of voice do you go? Well, let's now cross to Fitzy with the breaking story out of the Adelaide Crows. Riley Thilthorpe's done a hamstring. Fitzy. Uh, showdown 17 was a belter on the weekend. Port Adelaide come out and bashed the Crows first up. But come I t- out. <laughs> but I tell you what, the Crows really fought back. Jeez, it was good, wasn't it? How good was Rue? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was full on. And I was, you know what, Howie, I look back and my background where I come from, you know, like there was an element of smut in there as well. I used to swear quite a bit. Right. But now as you get older, when you become a father, all that changes. Mm. And, it's, and I do, I, I'm actually quite proud now that I've actually accustomed to Radio Land and the environment and social issues, and that took me a long time. I was very, very raw. So oh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about about radio, and you are, um, and, and I was joking at the start, but how long has your breakfast show been going in Sydney? It's been going 12, 12 and a half years. Let's go. Congratulations. Deserves a round of applause because that is the most brutal radio market in the country mm. and it's the most brutal time slot. So what you're doing, you're obviously doing brilliantly. Um, and I want to learn and experience yep. what's the key to radio. But but footy, mate, when does footy enter your life? Is your old man a coach? Was he like yeah. one of those dudes that travel around and coach teams to flags? He, he was, Howie, yeah. Dad was... What was his name? Uh, Mick Fitzgerald. Mickey? Yeah. yeah. He was and Fitzy. He was the original Fitzy. He was the original Fitzy. So he played footy at the Bays, Glenelg in the SANFL, and had a good career, and then he did his knee, and unfortunately, and went back to Port Nalunga, where we grew up 40 minutes south of Adelaide, Fleurio Peninsula, good waves, Howie, mm. and Dad loved coaching. So he played you know, super rules up until he was 40, but then loved to coach. He took premierships to Mount Compass, Loxton, where he met my mum. They had me up there, up in the Riverland. Port Nalunga, he took to premierships and he just loved it. So do you, you, uh, I don't, what, did the age lap over that you ever saw him coach? uh, Yeah, I did. Yeah. Dad was a very good coach, very hard, but no, but Howie, I did see him coach because he was my junior coach, my, my whole junior career, which was detrimental in a way because Dad was just a coach the whole time to me. Whereas Why? I've always said sometimes I needed him to be a father. Yeah, and he was a coach. But he was always a coach and I hated that. So were you a dominant kid? I had to be centre of attention. So I always loved to have a joke yeah. and, a, and a laugh and unfortunately when your dad's the coach, you're the one who's always get, getting sent to the car, shut up and get into the car, you've stopped training for the night. So that was me. And the boys would be laughing their heads off as I sat in the car. And if you had a good season, how, how did you – so my beautiful wife, Erica, is coaching my beautiful daughter, Sky, in yeah. netball for the last couple of years. Yeah. And she'll come home and say, well, Sky's did pretty well tonight, and she has to hand out the three, two, and one. I was like, did you give her any vote? She said, oh, no, I can't. No. I don't want to be biased. No. Was, was your dad – how did he handle that? Well, this – no, dad was a bit the opposite. <laughs> And unfortunately, <laughs> Howie, because I wasn't a very good junior, but I do remember this moment because I wasn't a very good footballer when I was younger. I didn't grow till I was about 17, 18. But how tall are you? You're a tall man. Six foot six, six yeah, just six, under six, six. You, you wouldn't pick that typically. Okay. No, but there was it was under 14s and I remember this and it was one of the final awards of the night. Um, it was just before the, the best and fairest. Yep. And Dad said, coach's award, this, this young fella, you know what? 
He's at training early every single night because that's because I'm getting a lift with you, you idiot. <laughs> he's, his dedication Last and, leave. and his passion for the club is second to none. Under 14 coaches trophy is Ryan Fitzgerald. <laughs> and I, it to you. I, he, he's given coach oh, and tr- coaches trophy. <laughs> it was horrific. I had when I got back to the table, I had my teammates giving me corkies under the table, <laughs> going, "This is an absolute stitch up." Well, it, you, it hard not to be first to arrive and last to leave <laughs> when your dad's packing up the witch's hats at the end of the night. It was the worst. So yeah, I had that, and so now I've told myself I never want to coach my boys, like. Actually, do you know what? I had a great conversation with Michael Voss about this, and Voss, he said, Fitz, you're, you've always got to be a father first and a coach second. So when it comes to coaching with your kids, he said, I've never been in their face going, you should do this, you should do that. I've always said to them, if you want advice from me, you come to me and I will give you mm. advice. So I don't go to them. I wait for them to come to me. And I thought, I thought that's really, really good advice. Don't get me wrong, I'm still in my kid's face every now and then when it's after a footy game, but I don't want to be the main coach and I don't want to put them under pressure. I still have to do votes for the under-14s when my son Huey's playing so, so he, and he, I find it hard to get to put Huey in the best players as well. It's a, it's, it's a, she, it's in my world at the moment, this conversation, because um, mm. uh, through my daughter's netball, my, my wife went to a, uh, like, there was a, a sports psychologist speaking at one of the things she's involved in and she came back and said, oh, fascinating views yeah. from the sports psych. Um, don't give your kids any instruction ever. Leave it up to the coach. Don't even ask them how they went. Yeah. Ask them if they had fun. Yeah. And then I was talking to Andrew Gaze about this on the show and he said, how your only role is to be an Uber driver. Yep. And I find that hard because, like, my young bloke's riding the cricket and we go to the nets and he'll say, oh, Dad, how's my cover drive? And it's mm. like, well, there's a, there's a, there's something you need to be doing differently. Do you say it or not? I know. And you know what? She's I, a minefield. I can't help. And you know what? I, I can't help it. I feel like every now and then your kids need a bit of a kick up the bum yeah. because, you know, they can be quite lazy sometimes and sometimes it can be just something from the sidelines and then they're on again. The other one that's really, really good was Hugh Van Collenberg from the Resilience, oh, the Resilience Project. Project. And Hugh said, you know, not every kid is going to be, you know, a future AFL player. But he said, just the words to a kid after a game and all you have to say to your child, even if they had a bad game, was, I loved watching you play out there today. That's a good one. And that means so much to a child. To hear that from a parent, that really struck a chord with me as well. Even if they have a bad game and you're thinking to yourself, you could have done this, you could have done that, and I could sit in the car and say that. If you just get in the car and go, mate, I really loved watching you playing out there today, to a kid, that means everything. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. So yep. if you're listening at home and you're a parent, stick with the old, uh, yep. Yep. this don't, is like Dr. Phil, this is getting advice from Fitzy. Don't stick your finger out. Don't stick your finger out and say you should have done this, just say, yeah, yeah. Or give your son the club and award. <laughs> Back to Fitzy in a moment. Next up on the Howie Games, a guest that I have tremendous admiration for and I owe a fair bit to as well. Former swimmer, gun sports TV host, TV star, and as strong as they come, Joanna Griggs. He'd made a makeup artist cry. And back then we used to have a makeup studio in the actual studio. They were quite big spaces. And uh, and then he was so used to an audience because this poor makeup artist got so nervous and more and more nervous and touched his hair and he nutted out about them touching his hair. And, and so it just escalated, escalated. But he's so used to having an audience and, and everyone's so used to performing like that for him that he stood up and he just looked at everyone and he put his hands in the air and he went, 
da-da. And everyone applauded him. <laughs> and I just remember looking at him thinking, you are the greatest tosser I have mm. ever seen in my mm. life. Mm. How dare you make that lady cry? Mm. And so he looked at, and he kind of looked at me and he said, why aren't you applauding? And I said, was I actually think you're a bit of a tosser. He said, how dare you speak to me like that? Mm. I am a former world number one. I said, I know, congratulations on your two French Opens and your two Australian Opens. Amazing. Welcome to the team. I think you, you know, you're required up in the you know, bird's eye view with Bruce. And so he headed out and we all kind of went, oh, God. But we kind of knew he'd settle down. And he's he's totally, he's a different person to what he was in that very first year. Yeah. And I always remember he went, he went up with Bruce. And so I threw up, I threw up to him. And back then, Garnier used to have a beauty bar at the oh, tennis. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I just said, um, you know, uh, Bruce McAvaney and, and with him a man we're very excited to welcome to the team and a man who's clearly dropped by the Garnier beauty bar on the way up because anyone who's looked after his hair, you know, to look that good mm. has to be somebody who who's, you know, I can't remember if it was somebody who's vain or whatever, um, but welcome aboard, Jim Courier. And so I threw to him and Bruce being Bruce just looked at his hair and went, oh, Jim, I actually really do like your hair today. Good, <laughs> 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 you macker. <laughs> Which was so cute and so Bruce. And so we're all just killing ourselves laughing in the studio. But he just glared down the camera. So he spent the whole the whole fortnight he pretty much spent trying to one-up me. And I just, every time he'd do it, i just say to him, Jim, this is how it works. At the end of the day, I'm the host, you're the guest. doesn't matter what you say, I'm always going to have the last word. It'll be me turning to the camera. So whatever you say, I will always be able to hit the top. So just calm down. That's Joanna Griggs next Tuesday on The Howie Games. Let's get back to Fitzy. So are you a good footy player going through? Is it what you want to do or are you, you sitting in school and there's other dreams? I was a good athlete. I was good at little athletes and stuff, yep. but I was never good at footy. But footy was always the thing I loved, Howie, because it was my mates yep. and being around the club. Port Alunga was a great club, great atmosphere, and it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 I started growing that confidence just went through the through the roof. And it was our last premiership at Port Nalunga was 1997. I was a part of that. And all the juniors, all the blokes that we come up through the junior system with went into the A grade. We won it, which was unbelievable. So I went from Port Nalunga in suburban footy to the next year being asked to go to South Adelaide and mm. having a year for the Panthers in the SANFL to the year after that. So within three years, getting drafted to Sydney. So it all happened so quickly. Pick number four. We've written it down here. Pick number one in the 1998 National Draft goes to Des Headland. Pick number two goes to Justin Justin Longyear. Justin Longyear, yeah, coach and Fremantle now. Do you remember pick number three? Nick Fosdye. Nick Fosdye. Yep. And pick number four for a man who declared he wasn't that good Ryan Fitzgerald heads to the Sydney Swans. Ryan, congratulations. That's where my life just completely changed. Taste independence, left home, never thought I'd leave mum and dad, and then you go to Sydney and you're moving in with Jude Bolton. You moved in with Jude Bolton? Yeah, Bolts and Rowan Wharf. Remember Wharfie? Oh, Wharfie! Yeah, Wharfie had a little investment property in Botany. It was a tiny little place, but that was just some of the greatest years of my life. Why? I, I, well, I moved in with Jude Bolton, who's this this bleached-haired private school boy, and I thought, who is this punk? Like, and he was everything that I hated as a, as a, as as our mates growing up. <laughs> the private school boy, it was everything that I hated. Yeah. And I remember just earning this respect from Jude within the first month that we started training and seeing him put his head over the ball at training in front of Paul Kelly, Creswells, Lewis. The way that he impressed at training, I went, this guy, he just, and he did everything. To go on to play 300 games, I, I really count him as a good mate. But, you know, like it's just meeting different people in your life, Howie. You're, mm. you, you know, you 
grow up in this tiny little coastal town where you own it. Yep. And you know what? And then all of a sudden you're meeting new people and new culture. It's just, it was, it was an amazing time. So before we talk about the Swans, as a kid growing up, so how, I should know this. When did Adelaide come into the... 91. So you were a Crows man? Yeah. Who, well, who was your man? So I, before that I was Carlton. So my oh. old man played for the Bays yep. and that was Stephen Kernahan. You know, the, there were legends from there. Tony McGuinness and all that kind of stuff. Chris McDermott were my heroes. Yeah. And then always South Australian. We'd go to state games. We have banners saying we eat weak Vicks for breakfast, you know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, we were proudly South Australian. So when the Crows come in instantly, Dad and I were straight onto the Crows. Did, did you get to see the back-to-back Malcolm Blight premierships? Sure did. Did you? No. At first, in 97, we drove over, didn't have a ticket, Howie. So we actually watched it from Punt Road, couldn't get into the MCG. Oh, on the screen? Yep. So we drove from Adelaide in the, ma- in the back of Timmy Boston's ute in right. the tray and slept the whole way. Good on you, Timmy Boston. 98, <laughs> Gossie drove over the week before and all got us tickets and we went over in 98 and that was the year that I got drafted and I was there in 98 and we snuck out onto the ground and Muhammad Ali was out there. We got these red overalls and they thought we were volunteers and we went and celebrated with the crows out in the ground. Where'd you get the overalls from? So, so was that pre planned We just happened to be in an area where all the volunteers were. They started throwing out these red overalls. So a mate of mine, we, we put them on and at the end of the game, we ran down to the fence and the security guard goes, hurry up, take the stage out. We helped take the stage out. And I'm high-fiving Bix and Blighty and I was drafted two months later. So, so that's a great story. This is Now you're understanding why this man has dominated radio for the length of period he did because radio is about storytelling and he obviously tells a good story. So when you get to Sydney... Is it is Rocket the coach? Yeah, Rocket's the coach, Rodney Eade. So I, I had the great pleasure of doing a year of Sunday on Triple M with Rodney Eade. Yep. Uh, as a Hawthorne man, growing up, four-time premiership player. As an aside, he told us on the second game <laughs> that uh, he was in recent times become a vegetarian. Oh, wow. Uh, we were asking him 10 minutes of questions, and I think his wife had directed him down that path. Yeah. Half time. He gets a sausage roll. (laughs) 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 And he's like, had three bites. And we're like, is that sort of, is that, is that an egg and filo style? He's like, oh, yeah, well, come on, come on. Every now and then. Every now and then. But so, Rocket, known as. I remember being in the rooms once and yeah. seeing – just giving it to Will Minson when he was coach of the Bulldogs. Yeah. I was bound I just gave it to him. And obviously those doctored, doctored tapes came out where yes. Rocket would give him people <laughs> – Doctored my <laughs> ass. No, that was doctored. <laughs> give that, me that a was, break. I'm, 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 Cameron, I'm, Rocket, Rocket. Quick. Rocket, 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 we can't think. We can't think. Sorry, come, on. Come, on, come on, come on, come on. Okay. Come Look on. Minson again. I can't. We can't think. Okay, <laughs> calm down. Sorry, mate. It's doctored. That was doctored. It, it, it was not doctored. It was doctored, Fitzy. Because I was on the end of a couple of those. Well, this is what I wanted to get to. How, how did he treat the young man from South Australia? That is Rodney E. Right. through and through. It, it's funny. He was, you know, like a rocket's got a certain type of coaching. But I was. I mean, there was a there was a period there where I was too shit scared to drop a mark out at training. Because he oh. would stop the training session and berate you. So did Rocket, like what was his, well, what he, did he give well, you? Did he, he have a so name he, for the you? The big one for me, I was injured quite a bit, yep. Howie. So I had two shoulder recos in the first year um, and then I had a knee reco in the third year and it was just, I was always injured. 
So I to, to keep myself entertained, I tried to make everyone laugh around the club. And unfortunately, Rocket didn't like that. There was a meeting room for the ones one year and they were having a meeting and I had no idea. And I had I had a group of the injured players around me and I just had them. I was doing a tight five, Howie. Like right, I had right, a laughing right, right. and a, <laughs> I'm, da- I'm, down, I'm dancing. I thought this is awesome. And then the door opens and I look through and it's Rodney Eade and it's all the senior players. They're having a meeting. And Ooh. he, I think his words were, I was, Mickey O'Loughlin told me this afterwards. He'd come back in and he said, that Fitzgerald, he would have, he would have effing failed plasticine at kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and from that day, Howie, from that day, they installed a red light that, that flashes every time there's a meeting on. So you know that you have to be quiet it's outside. It's the light. It's the Fitzy light. And it's still there. <laughs> That's my only legacy at the club. So how, how long had you been there before you played your first game? Um, I... So it was, uh, no, first year I was injured. So I played about three or four reserves games and then did both shoulders. Second year I played round one. Round one was my first game in 2000. Versus? St Kilda. Tommy, Tommy, our guru producer of all things. We're a podcast, we're an audio medium, but I said to Tommy, all I want you to do is roll one piece of vision to Fitzy and he can talk us through it. So we go to round one, what year are we talking? Uh, 2000. St. Colonial, Colonial Stadium, Stadium. second ever game. Position? I no, I started on the bench, Howie. Right. And the only reason I'd come on at the end of the first quarter was Andrew Dunkley come off with a blood roll. Right. Roll the videotape, Tommy. Ahmed goes for goal, kicks to the line, and the marker's taken down there by Fitzgerald. Is he going to be called to play on? He is. He's allowed to run around on the mark, and he has kicked the goal by the look of it. Well done. So I ran off the bench, Howie. Right. That was me running off the bench all the way down to full forward. Big number 18, Marks. Plays on, hooks it round the body. Fitzgerald with his first goal in a big time. Pours it, Tommy. Well, well, look at that. Look Do you know at... what? I got aggressive when I celebrated. Right. And I was quite, I just thought there was a bit of F you to Rodney Eade in that. Right. Oh, yeah. plasticine boy. Yeah, a bit of like, you know, I finally... I, I've told you that I can do this. I've proved to you that I can do this. But that was just luck. I ran off the bench down a full forward, and then I've looked over to the left, and I'm going, Rory Armat's about to have a shot here from 60. He won't make the distance. <laughs> so I started sprinting, and it looked like he passed it to me, but he was having a shot, <laughs> and I've snagged my first goal, roll, and roll I was the, off. Roll the, well, you're off. You roll the rest of the videotape. you got the shoulders taped up. <laughs> Gee, you look young and lean through the foot. Fa- now what's yeah. happening here? Greg Stafford on the lead there. And here's Goliath, number two, the big man in Stafford. Beautiful kick. Fitzgerald, who looks a likely type, has taken the mark. And could just about have a ping from there. He's got ball down there in the square. He doesn't need him. Does not need him. Carries a beautiful So I've taken that at 50. And I thought, 55. Right, Jason Ball, Jason Ball's gone. Just kick it to the top of the square. And I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a crack. Bye! From 55. Now you've got two at this point. I think it was further than Lacocia's or something. Uh, well, the and you've just taken your mouth guard out casually. Now you're in the ruck. Yeah, I, the confidence was up here, and I thought, I'm just going to run in and have a crack at the ruck. <laughs> you cracked it out of the ruck. Boundary throw in in the right forward pocket for the Swans. Fitzgerald throws his left foot at it. It bounces. It bounces. A goal. Oh. A goal. Ozzie Jones didn't get there. Tom Hawkins style and grab a one for. So you got three at this point. Looking <laughs> casual. Another one comes out of the middle. What's happening? Yeah, in front. Always oh, yeah. in front of your man, Timmy Elliott. And look at him. He was a bit upset. But yeah, a lot of the scoring's been done down there. And a good that kick. That was a good effort too. Good, a good mark. But maybe that's a, it would be interesting to see. I don't know whether Everett's going to go straight on the phone. I'm just trying to look down there. 
You'll have that young fellow in your team for a while, Paul. He's, He's a, a very good talented, very talented player and a great goal. Mickey O'Loughlin went up to him after this and said, oh, my God, this is this, this kid's first game, and he's kicked four <laughs> on you. Straight through the middle. Swans lead at 79 to 55, so you got four. And then at Confident was up last quarter. Adam Goods is running down. Robbie Armat goes to his brother and says, I'm going to kick it to you. And I said, stuff you, Goodsy. I'll have it. Oh, just pushes Goodsy yep. out of the way. Yep, double Brownlow medalist. Get out of the way, mate. I'll have that. 50 metres from goal. Robbie Armat goes across the half-forward line. Goods. Leaves it for Fitzgerald. I don't think he left it. I think Adam Goods would have had a go at that. But Fitzgerald was stronger in that contest. And he's marked. He has the chance to kick his fifth goal. That's a good uh, good effort for Ryan Fitzgerald in his first AFL game. Beautiful and goal Fitzgerald. number five. Yep. Marked on the chest. Goes back. Slots your fifth in what's looking at this stage like a 40-point win for the Sydney Swans. I've showed this to my kids, I reckon, 48 <laughs> times. They've, they haven't watched it once. I said to Tommy, get the highlights. He said, just a lot, a lot of views of this package. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me watching it on a Friday. We need to do this more often, show guests their highlights, because the man, he's up and about. So... You get in the rooms afterwards. You, you've been injured. Mm. You've been a plasticine boy. You've come from yeah. the port. Mm. You're in Sydney. Mm. You kick five goals. What mm. was happening in the room? There was, I remember Patrick's, I had an interview with Patrick Smith, remember, from, oh, the, from, Australian, the, from the Australian? Who was a legendary beard. journalist. Yeah, he was, a fiery cricketer in his day as and well. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is this is it. What'd you give him? Just some real I good just, stuff? Nah, you see, and this is why I was so raw. I was the bogan from the south of Adelaide, <laughs> and I just didn't know what to say. I had mum and dad were there, which was amazing. That, that To have my family there, and I, I think dad got a bit emotional, yeah. but just to, it, that was just an amazing night. You know, some nights you're just on, yeah. you know, you don't have one of those nights where you can't miss and everything just, just falls into place, and it was just a magical night. So at Sydney... You've kicked five in your first game. Mm. You haven't gone on and played 300 games. No. Obviously. How many games did you play for the Swans? Uh, went to go. I played 10 for the Swans after that. So if, if – and you've been tremendously successful afterwards, mm. so we can talk about this. Dylan Buckley's episode um, a few weeks ago, it's the first time we'd had an athlete on that hadn't succeeded basically, yeah. and it was like, well, this is a difficult path, a different mm. path to follow. So you've kicked five mm. in your first game. Mm. The, the odds at that stage of you only playing 10 games, people are saying, well, this place going to play a lot of games. So what happened? Injuries? Injuries. Yeah, so so I, it was after that game. I just started getting tightness in my groins after that game, and it was osteitis pubis. So they kept playing me, and oh. it progressively got worse, and I couldn't run. I was playing. I, they ended up dropping me, and I was playing in the twos, and I couldn't lead, and they kept playing me. Then I had to get both my groins severed, so just to loosen them up a oh, bit. They what, found what do a they dub, do? They... they found a double hernia in there. Oh. And I just, after that, it's really... You know, the hard thing is, is that, you you know, like I, I got to experience it and that was some of the greatest times of my life. But then when your body gives out on you and then, then I was getting, I was having knee reconstructions. So How many knee recos? I ended up having four knee reconstructions. What, what happened? Over my career. So the first one that happens, like we see it, oh, I've never yeah. done a knee. We, we see it and yeah. straight away in commentary you think, oh no, that's not good. What, what happened to No, no. I went up for a mark and pressure geocomo sort of twisted me as I come down and I landed a little bit awkwardly and I knew it was awkward, but I felt fine. No pain at all. Right. But I could just feel my leg giving away a little bit. And Nathan Gibbs, the club doctor said, oh, I don't think this is good. I said, what are you talking about? Just strap it up and I'll get back out there. He said, no, I think your ACL's gone. 
It was as simple as that, Howie. Second one against Jason McCartney. Now, that was painful. Felt like a knife in the back of my knee. But it just, you know what? You come back from these injuries and the worst thing for a footballer, and there would have been so many footballers that go through this, you can't jump as high as you mm. used to. You can't run as fast as you. And you know in your mind that I, I'm... I can't run as fast as I as You're I did. You're not what you were already. And I I remember what I was like that night at Colonial Stadium, and now I'm I'm like this, and I just can't jump, and I can't get up in a pack, and in your mind, negatively, you just you know you're gone. So when when you're so you 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 haven't gone to Adelaide yet, you're still at Sydney, and you, you you're injured, and you're always in the rehab group. It wouldn't have been discussed 20 years ago, but it would be now, the, the mental side of dealing with it. What, what was it like for it, you? It's it's horrific because you know the end is near. And you know, hard, you know in yourself, do you? I knew I had to be at my optimal best to be an AFL footballer and my body just wasn't. It just wasn't producing that. And I thought, what am I going to do here? They then traded me to the Crows in 2002. And I started, I got really fit. And I got the best I could get. And I had some really good games at the Crows, played the first eight games. I kicked four against Sydney, my old team. And Rodney Ead sent Brad Seymour down to, to rough me up. And I remember kicking four that day. And I, that was just a huge satisfaction just Did to you go. Did you want me to find the highlights? Oh, yeah, get them back up. <laughs> <laughs> Tries to keep it alive. He screws it back to the danger zone. Up goes Fitzgerald and takes the mark. 25 metres out from goal directly in front. Hammers at home. Um, so you're away again at this stage. I was away again, and then body broke down again. Did my knee again after eight rounds, and as he said, I, and I knew then that they were going to delist me at the end of the so year. So Gary Ayres is the coach. Yeah. So tell me, I asked Dill about this, and, and he's all peace and love and positivity. But you're a young bloke. You've put everything into footy. There's not else a great deal going mm. on after this away from footy at this stage. But like, how's the conversation? How does Gary tell you? <sighs> you, you? You wait till the end of the year. You do rehab all the way to the end of the year. And I knew, and I was in a room with Gary Ayers and John Reid, and Ayers, he didn't say one word. Didn't? No. Nah. And it was all Johnny Reid. So he, was he the football manager? Yeah. Yep. And What do they say? He said to me, do you know what, do you know what John Reid, this is the exact conversation. He said, Fitzy, when we picked, when we traded you over here, you're about a six, seven to one to make it. He said, once you did your knee, you're a thousand to one. He said, oh. we can't go with you. It's a business. And I, you know what I did? I went to my wallet and took out 10 bucks and said, well, I'll put $10 on myself at a thousand to one. Really? Give me another chance. So you fought your case at that yep. stage? Yep. I, and they didn't take the odds? But I knew. No. Nah. Oh. I knew it was all over. And that was the hardest thing of all. Like, it was just, I knew it's it's all over. That's it for Fitzy Part A. Oh, listen to Part B.